Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have people skills. T-Bone talks a lot. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? Sometimes those conversations are recorded. What the hell is wrong with you people? Welcome to T-Bone talks to humans. Well, hello there. Thanks for checking out this uh, little side podcast we're doing in the Common Man and T-Bone feed. I am T-Bone. I talk to people and often annoy them by how much I talk to them, but sometimes they let me record the conversations and we play them back on here. Dr. Pete Edwards, one of the owners of the Columbus crew, a longtime fixture in Columbus. He is, of course, also a surgeon who fixes people's knees with Orthopedic One, and the team doctor for the crew for many years prior to becoming the team owner, all around a really good guy and a big fan of the crew, of soccer, and a guy I consider a good friend. Dr. Pete was very kind and and decided to come into the studio and join me to talk about the upcoming 2022 season, which we are about to see the crew start up. And we got into a lot of different things. I did ask him about the Columbus Crew logo. Uh, You'll get to hear his thoughts on that. I asked him about some of the roster changes that have happened and the future of the club, including some things going on with Crew 2. So all that and more. It was a fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for checking out the inaugural edition of T-Bone Talks to Humans. Well, Pete, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's fun. I can't wait. Got yeah. black and gold week, ready to go. Home opener is always special, but what are what has it got you excited about this new season for the crew? What are some of the things that you are just, as a fan more than maybe the owner, what are you looking forward to with this season? Well, having been the doctor for 24 years, I'm most excited about having a somewhat reasonable injury year, not a historically bad, <laughs> biblically bad injury year like we had last year. Uh, yeah. we We had... Um, absolutely catastrophic number of injuries last year. So, um, and and we would have, I really believe, had we had a normal year last year, that we would have competed for the cup. When we got reasonably healthy at the end of the year, you saw what we did. You know, we're seven out of 11 wins, two draws, two ties, all competitions. You look at that and you're you're going, hey, you know, we dug that hole when we had, you know, literally we didn't have enough players to train two full teams together because of injuries. So um, that's what I'm hoping for. Not a big wish, just that we don't have to be uninjured like New England last year, which was the healthiest team in a long time. And guess what they did? They set records and won games (laughs) like crazy. We don't need to do that. We just need to be in the middle and not lose key people altogether and people for the season that can't play. So, um, yeah, I'm not asking a lot. I'm, I'm just asking to be healthy enough with our new additions, which which I'm super excited about, um, we we got that core group of guys back again that can win. Yeah, and, we've and seen so, it win. Yeah, no, we've that seen group them has win. won. We, yeah, we know they can do that. So let's we we're really excited about some of the new additions. We think they're going to make us way better. 
And I don't think we have to be a lot better than we were last year when we were healthy to be really competitive um, in the Eastern Conference and, and maybe more than that, right? So um, we've got a great talent in, in Lucas Alarion. I mean, that he is a big game player. We saw that in the MLS Cup two years ago where he took control of the game. So, um, but we need to support him more. And we think we've got some pieces now where, where uh, we're really excited about how they're going to fit together. And I think that uh, once we get going, people are going to look at this and go, oh, crap, these guys are going to be really good. Well, I hope so. That's what yeah, we want around that's the league. That's what we hope. Uh, let's talk about some of the new additions real quick. I just wanted to bring up, uh, just because, again, you're a longtime soccer fan. I'm a longtime soccer fan. There are a lot of people who I think still have this idea with Major League Soccer that, well, talent from Europe isn't going to want to come play in MLS. It's Major League Soccer. That's not the same thing. Yaliboa comes over from Poland. He's not the first player to come from that league, obviously, um, but that, that has joined MLS. You have Alexander Matan, who was playing in Romania previously, uh-huh. and he's been with the team now for a little while. And then Milos Dejnik, who comes from Red Star Belgrade, which is a team that beat Liverpool less than a couple years ago in the champions league. And Milos was the starting center back. One of the two on that team that that is European experience. Those are top leagues in Europe. These are, these are good players coming in and Milos is trying to, I mean, he has hopes of making the world cup with Australia, which is his home country. So he chose MLS. How much did that mean to, uh, to you as a fan, but also seeing that he wanted to come to of all the MLS teams, Columbus to play both those guys. Well, I think it's a, it's a, um, checking the box of who we want to be. Um, we want people to look at this club and look at our training facility and, and look at our style of play and, and look at our stadium and say, why not? Uh, this is a place where I can come play at the highest level. And no longer is this a league where people come if they can't make their world cup team. But Milos has said, I chose Columbus because I think it gives me the best opportunity to make my world cup team. Not, I can't go there because I won't. The exact that, opposite. Well that, for people who don't know, that was a thing where guys would say, I don't want to go to Europe or I don't want to go to MLS. I got to get noticed by my national team. That's not a problem. That's not as much of a problem now. There are guys who can stay here and get noticed by their national team and play. For sure. And, and that's what Milo said in, in that exact situation of, I want to make my World Cup team. That's what this year is about for me. But I also want to plan where I'm going to play for a while. And this market this team, this coach, this style of play, these facilities check every box that will let me succeed in the game at the highest level. So we talked about Yal Yaboa looking like a guy who's got a lot of pace, a lot of skill on the ball. The wing play needs to improve. Every I know that's been said by everyone, and you guys seem to agree with that. Do you think Yal Yaboa could be a key to that and getting more out of that right side? Yeah, I really do. Uh, I know Caleb and Bez have been really excited to see um, Yaw play and how he's already integrating really well with um, with Morea on the right side. When you play a 4-2-3-1, and we're not going to be exclusively 4-2-3-1 this year, I think one of the things that we recognize is depending on injuries, depending on schedule, there may be times when we play a 4-3-3, maybe even this weekend. But in general, the fullbacks, the outside backs, interact with the wingers a ton and how that play happens is integral in getting shots and and scoring goals. And Steven and Yaw have already found a connection that we didn't have last year. 
So uh, we think that, you know, you, you, last year you would see times when people forced the ball to our right side and said, sure, bring it up the right. And, and we didn't do as well. Um, so I think they aren't going to be able to do that this year. They're going to look at it and say, wow, these guys, when they bring it up on the right side, are really dangerous. And when they bring it up on the left side, hey, Caleb Porter thinks that Pedro Santos has excelled already and that there is going to be a step up from last year at left back than where we were when we really loved Milton Valenzuela. And we thought he did a great job. But I think that the team thinks that Pedro is going to add another level being back there full time. I was talking to a guy who was pretty good at outside, you know, playing a fullback position in uh, Frankie Haydick earlier today. And and he also seemed pretty excited about Pedro. I mean, here's the reality, right? Pedro is an offensive minded player. That position, you have to be offensive minded. It's also a physical position. And so I think that's, we're going to find out Pedro's, you know, ability to do that. But I've noticed in the few games that I've seen him play there, there was one in the old stadium a couple years ago. I mean, it might've been now 2019. I'm just trying to remember because of COVID everything runs together, but there was a game. I remember he played left back because we just needed him to. And it was one, I, I walked out of the stadium saying that's one of the best games I've seen anyone play left back in MLS history of, of like the games I've personally watched. So I know he's got the ability to, um, but there, but you know, that is going to be really interesting. If he can hold that down, that now that puts a lot more opportunities for guys on the wing to play on that side as well. And now you've got a skilled winger coming from the back and then potentially whoever fills in on that left side and, and becomes the guy that's, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Oh, it's, I'm super excited about it. And I think, you know, people thought last year that, that um, Pedro didn't play as well. Maybe, well, he played half of his games at left back. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, and the teamwork and the chemistry that has to happen from repetitive play in the same environment in the same position is super important. And that integration when you're jumping one position to another is going to affect you a little bit. But we're not asking him as a left back to to score 10 goals. Yeah. But, you know, if he can score two or three or four goals and have six or seven assists, he crosses the ball extremely well. Yeah. And we've always known when he played in on the wing that he was one of the best defensive wingers that there was. So we're super excited that he's really stepped up and he loves playing back there. He said that he grew up playing there and that he's thrilled to be back there. And, and he's a selfless guy. He is a team first guy. And, and I love that. And I think pound for pound, he may be the toughest guy in MLS because he's close to the top every he gets, year. And he fouls. does get clobbered all clobbered. the time. I know some people think that's an act and it, yeah, you know, there's some gamesmanship certainly at times, but the guy gets fouled. It's him and Alejandro Moreno are, I think, the two most fouled players I've ever seen in my life, and they both play yeah, for the crew. I, I totally agree. And you know what? He jumps up and keeps playing. Yeah. And uh, he and eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. But too, like but, I said, there's gamesmanship. But, but there's gamesmanship in soccer. Yeah, that's part yeah. of the drill. You well, got to come out. You know, he's no, he's a really right. tough guy, he and stays I think he's going to hold. Right. I think he's going to hold his own. And he's a veteran, and he's smart, and he's good on the ball. And guys are going to have to respect the fact that if they go forward too hard, that they can get hurt by him um, quickly. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see how that works as well. That's a good point. It's a way for him to slow down some of the speedier guys that I'm sure he'll see because they're going to test him. But that's a way to slow that speed down is to burn him the other way. So you lose the ball to him at the edge of the attacking third. Yeah. And and with uh, our midfield, 
Yeah, he's you know Z, yeah. Z stays up high. He Pedro steals the ball, drops it over to, to Nagby, and boom, you can get a a really ugly looking counterattack pretty quickly uh, if Pedro makes that good play at the edge of the opposing attacking third. There was a a thing that. I want to say that I, th- I believe that was Caleb that had this comment the other day about like, you know, we may not lead the league in goals. And there was some discussion about that. And I thought if, if, if the left back experiment works and Pedro is able to do that, I mean, that allows for more offensive talent to be available to you. You mentioned Steven Moreira having also that ability to really be a guy in the middle and final third who can add a little bit of pressure from an offensive standpoint now you're going to have more opportunities for wingers that were sitting behind Pedro to get up there and play too. Oh, and now you've got a legitimate second goal scoring threat in Miguel Berry. I mean, I I don't think this team's going to want for goals this year. I know that every year maybe I, I'm a little more optimistic than most, but I think Jossie and Miguel Berry are going to provide two really good scoring options. But how do you guys see it? Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, I think that um... – that either one of them would start on many MLS teams. And uh, Jesse is a phenomenal team player, phenomenal mentor, and I can't think of a better way for Miguel to grow into uh, uh, his role um, with the team. Um, and I think that they're both going to start games. They're, you know, Jossie's going to be gone for World Cup stuff, and uh, I think that we got a compact schedule again with the World Cup coming. So I think that there's – plus you've got U.S. Open Cup. There's lots of opportunities for people to start lots of games. So we're really thrilled to have two quality guys at the top. And who knows? Maybe they might even be out there at the same time I in some games. I like that. I like that. Know. I like that. I like the teaser. Going to have to stay tuned to find out. I will say Miguel Berry, I feel like he has electrified the fan base in a way that very few people have not that other players will certainly have been more popular than this guy I'm about to name, but um, there was a crazy dude with a big blonde Afro back in the day named uh, Steven Lenhart, who a lot of fans really enjoyed watching him. And he was, you know, a different guy. Miguel's a lot more technical than him. And Steven Lenhart was a much more throw an elbow when no one's looking and try to get a little something extra. But I, I feel like that he's, he's got the fan base excited in that way of just, he's kind of like a, cult icon like a, a figure of like a talisman or whatever you want to call him like he's just a guy people gravitate to because he finds ways to score big goals and big moments oh so cool I, but i gotta tell you a steven lenhart story I, so, was ho- I was hoping you would so so at, at entrance physicals a lot of times be multiple guys show up at the same time and there's a little bottleneck and you know who gets their ekg who gets their their cardiac testing who gets their their body fat measurements and so one time when steve was here we had a whole bunch of guys that were waiting and they're all like, what the heck? And so I go in and I do one guy's physical and I come out and Steven is laying on a stool and they are spinning him around. And the person that he's pointing to when he stops spinning is the guy who gets to go next. So he was at the physical dial on the game uh, and to see who got their physical. And that's just a typical Steve thing. He, he was, he was so energetic. He was so much fun on the field. He was such a, a cool person, and then he came out and played, and people just fell in love with him. And I think Miguel can be that guy yeah. because look, he came out of nowhere. You know, we didn't. He really did. You know, uh, that he was a great find coming out of college because people probably know 
MLS, you don't get a lot of people out of college usually. No. And we should talk about one guy we just got out of college that's, that's going to write that, maybe two. But, but to see him succeed at the level he did, coming from where he came from, um, is super exciting, and we, we couldn't be happier for him because he's a great guy, and, and we couldn't be happier for his prospects um, with the team as he continues to grow and develop. Can I ask you a kind of tough question? Is that allowed? Can I ask of you course. about Because it would be weird if I brought you in here and I didn't ask you about the logo situation. You obviously have heard some of the fans bring up they're not thrilled with the new logo. I guess my question is this. It's not about hammering the past or or let's bring up old arguments or anything like that. Is, is there any opportunity down the road? It doesn't have to be tomorrow or next week or whatever that maybe that will get revisited at some point. Well, it changes hard. Um, and, you know, some people love the new logo. Some people hate the new logo. Um, but I think overall uh, people have said it looks pretty good on that new jersey. Uh, it looks pretty good on my phone. Uh, there was a lot um, of time and a lot of people who are pros at logos that helped figure out what was not good with our old logo and what was good with our logo and where we should go. And uh, we sure wish that the process would have been more seamless at the start um, on all um, on all fronts. But um, there's there's always opportunities to redo things. Do we have any plan? To look at the logo? No. Do we think that that over time people will grow to love it and they'll just say, hey, C is for what's important. And that's why we picked it. It's not about uh, a brewery. It's not about a German neighborhood. It's really about our city. And we felt like the C is for Columbus. The C is what we stand for as a city and as a community. And we wanted to put that out there and say, hey, we are Columbus. And how better do you do that with a C? And and so we're we're excited about it. Uh, we're we're uh, we think it looks great on the new gold jersey. And uh, I, I hopefully will, people over time will will come to love it and say, hey, I really I, I get it. And uh, let's move forward and cheer and go hard and be proud of what it's supposed to represent. I sighed there because I I'm about to say something I did not think I would find myself saying. You brought up that it does look good on that New Jersey. Here's how I have come to see it looking better than I thought. The only <laughs> little bit that has grown that's on a me. Big, that's a big step for you to say. Well, that you know, because you know the conversations we've had <laughs> off the record. But and you've heard me say it for three hours a day on the radio show. But I will say, I think the two stars over top of that logo make a lot of things look better, to be fair. But I do think it does make it look better. Now, I've given you a little bit of, I've come a little your way. Can you acknowledge there's at least a small resemblance of that seat to a carabiner? <laughs> it, it is can a little. Can we at least get a carabiner a bit, made yeah, like that can, Yeah, you can, hook it, you can hook it onto something. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. All right. That's, so, I don't mean, no, I'm not really, trying to get you in trouble or anything nah, like we're, that. We're no. thrilled. And, and, you know, um, you know, the thing that would make it look the best is third star. Absolutely so, right. So I let's, agree ring with that. The, let's ring the whole DMC in stars and 10 years from now say, that is really cool with, with five stars around yes, it or right, whatever. When right. 10 years from now, when we're having this discussion uh, to say, wow, you guys were really thinking ahead because this looks really good with all these stars around it. Black and Gold Week has been uh, 
quite a thing and uh, enjoyed the gold standard unveiling of the jersey. You know the importance of a yellow soccer team and a gold jersey. What did that do for you to see us have a gold jersey again? Well, we were we were so excited to um, have gold be a uh, primary color. I mean, there's a lot that goes to these jerseys and the timing of this and all these different things. So um, without going off in the weeds, I would say this was always the plan and that, that we are black and gold and we are the yellow soccer team. There's only one, uh, despite uh, 600 miles down the road, thinking that they're another. But we, uh, we're, we're thrilled to have it back. I think it looks really cool. There's so many parts about the new kit that I like. But, but um, I love the front um, with the logo and the Nationwide and the Adidas. And I love the Ohio with the crosshatch in the, in the corner, uh, down at the bottom. And we got a sleeve sponsor now, uh, which we're super excited about. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have gold be our primary kit again. You brought up that, uh, Ohio logo. I love that Ohio crosshatch logo. That is one of my favorite things that I think has been created around the crew in their entire history. Because for me, I like it because it's black and gold. I like it because, yes, I'm from Ohio, and Columbus to me is, you know, the heart of it all and all that stuff. But I also like because there's another technically soccer team in the state borders of Ohio, but they're really Kentucky FC, as I call them. So I like that it kind of has all that. It's it's black and gold, it's Ohio, and it takes a little bit of a shot to our uh, neighbors down south about 90 miles away. Yeah, I really um, – I'll tell you something that, that um, I really wanted to do. I mean, kind of jokingly, and it'll never happen, but – I wanted to do that whole yellow and black state of Ohio with one tiny little blue orange dot <laughs> way down in the corner and that like only like a couple stitches and and just throw that out there that really 99% of the state is black and gold, is but there's this one little, one little thing that, that drifted out of the river down there in Cincinnati <laughs> that, that no, I mean, that's all good fun and we're thrilled that they're here and I think it's great for soccer. Crew 2 is coming online. There's a pipeline now from Academy or even the youth leagues prior to that to the Academy. What What is that going to be like and what is Crew 2 for people who don't know? Yeah, so Crew 2, so uh, we, uh, the Haslam's in and my family have gone all in in player development and we feel like that that's a really important part of um, how building a successful soccer organization works. We have to succeed at building elite soccer players in the Midwest. There's a tremendous number of kids that play, and we need to put them in an environment where they can succeed and become pros. And that starts in kids that are as young as 13, 14 years old, and they build through our academy system. But until this year, we never had a professional stepping stone for them that would allow them as 16-year-olds to compete against full-grown men to grow their skills. Because if you aren't playing against people that are better than you, then you're not going to grow the same way. So we're super, super blessed and super excited to have Mark Nichols joining our team. Um, he was in charge of the Seattle Sounders uh, youth development programs years ago. He had a very short stay in Charlotte, and we were beyond excited to get him to join our team. So he's going to take these 13-year-olds that are athletically gifted and really fast and really motivated, and he's going to help mold these kids um, through the academy so that when it comes time to be a professionals, but maybe not quite first team, then they can step into the crew two environment. So that's the most important thing for us is it's a stepping stone in player development. Are we well, going to have, and for people who aren't familiar, maybe you're just 
kind of newer to soccer, I mean, that's what it is in Europe. When people say, oh, how, do, how does Europe get so much better than everybody else in soccer? How does, you know, Brazil, it's like, that's how that works. They have academies. They have youth teams. They find the best talent early. They get them to say, hey, do you want to come play here? Be a part of our organization. Learn how we play. Learn the style we want to play. And then that's because there's a guy like Mark Nichols who's at the top of it saying, we're guiding this all the way up to when you become a senior national team player, when you're getting paid hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to play soccer, you've now learned how to play it our way. And then there's a good chance you're going to play for that team for a while. And Seattle has had a lot of success doing that. Not just teams in Europe do too, obviously, but it has worked in MLS in this system. And now the one of the guys who is in charge of that is coming here to do the same thing. That's a really encouraging thought. Oh, it's super exciting. And, and you know, we'll have professionals that are playing in the USL in another um, mid-tier professional league. And we'll have other European people come that are trying to break into the MLS. So it won't just be our development guys, but it will be some of our first team guys if they don't play on Saturday night and we need them to get 60 minutes because in soccer, if you don't play games, you don't get better. So you can't just train all the time. It's going to be a really exciting mix. It's kind of like you oh, take yeah. some guys off the PGA tour, but you take some guys off the corn Ferry tour and you put them in the same tournament <laughs> and you know, they're out there together and you're like, Oh my God, I get to see a, a guy that I watch on Saturday night. I get to see him on Sunday afternoon um, with the guy who may take that guy's place in a couple years. So, so maybe a better way to describe this from, for like college football fans or people who watch college sports is if your local pro team had a, relationship with a college team obviously it's different because this is all in the crew's house but it, it'd be like uh, Joe Burrow's coming off of injury for the Bengals and he just suits up and plays with like Ohio State football one weekend and then heads back up to Cincinnati or down yep. to Cincinnati like that it's that level of you could see a guy who is an established pro who's got a great career and is a star in the league who's going to possibly have to do that but it's also if that does happen and it won't happen every week those are going to be sometimes 17-year-old guys that are in the academy that look up to that dude who are going to get to play right along next to him, and that guy might be able to pull him aside later in training next week and say, hey, I noticed you do this. Don't do that. Let me help you. Like, let me – that relationship building is probably going to be huge too, I would guess. 100%. The, the, we built the training facility, and Issa Tall is, um, uh, deserves a huge recognition for how he built our facility because he was all over Europe in all the big facilities. And it's not just a building. It's about creating the culture of how a 14-year-old kid can sit uh, next to his idol and see how they train and how they do things with the same technical um, direction from Mark that that will let them flow into their idol's seat yeah. eight or 10 years down the road. So it's, that's just really exciting. And I think it makes the, the kids train better. It makes the kids train harder. It introduces them to a culture that's never been seen in, in soccer, you know, until these high level academies. I mean, these kids sign contracts with us. They have a signing day. They're 13 years old. They're 14 years old and their pictures and their parents I can't are imagine. There. My head would be so big if I was 13 or 14 and I found out I got to sign with the crew. That would be awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's a it's pretty really cool. Yeah. Really well, cool. so if people want to watch Crew 2, they can do that. Obviously, we're talking about the crew as well, but Crew 2 will be at Historic Crew Stadium, and you'll be able to watch those games there on Sundays typically. Yep. Not every – I don't know if it's every week, but it's most of the weeks of the season they'll be playing there. 
no bubble. The uh, the the, the yep. dome will go away by the time that starts, yes. so it will be outside. But very cool stuff. I, I yeah. love hearing about crew too because that does feel like another step towards building soccer in this country the right way and not not a quick way. So that's it is cool. not it is not quick, but it can be extremely rewarding to you know build a, ask New York, ask Dallas, ask yeah. Philadelphia, yeah. where really part of their philosophy as a club is is create a star and then um, have them go to Europe and get a big paycheck for having them develop them and sending them to Europe. Yeah. And uh, we're a little more homegrown. We're a little bit more, uh, you know, come play for us. But uh, that's the, the world of soccer is develop a talent and uh, they may grow to a point where they, they want to head to Europe and try and play. Yeah. Alfonso Davies played for Vancouver. I remember seeing him the one or two years he was there and now that guy has starred for Bayern Munich and and been one of the best players in Europe. And you, that there's a chance that kid lives in Ohio, lives in Columbus, and without this type of organizational thing, might get missed. And that's another way. Hopefully, that kid gets to find that path. And and I think that's cool. I'm huge on development of the game. I know you are too. So that's why I took so much time talking about that. Yeah. Um. Final thoughts. Anything you want uh, fans to hear from you before the season starts? Uh. You know about the news about the stadium or just the team in general what are what are your kind of closing thoughts here as we head into the new season well i think i i think that um one of the most important reasons that that i'm here and involved is because the city stepped up and the community stepped up and we we really still are super excited about giving back to the community and and as part of black and gold week um we dedicated a library um this week and we announced our fifth mini pitch in that's four- a, and that's one of those very cool grow the game type of things that just it gets is. kids another chance to you know see soccer play soccer and then go from there if it works out that they play it further than that that's great but it it does get them exposed to the game and that's well good. we you know i i believe strongly and the haslam's believe strongly that if kids play sports and sports are tied to schools that it increases the likelihood that a kid's going to stay in school and do better in school so that they can play the sport that they want to play. Um, so that there's a, there's a method behind the madness of these these um, mini pitches on top of the fact that we want to give kids a, a safe place to play. Because a lot of these communities where they are, maybe they don't have a safe place to play, and this is somewhere where they can go. And, and they can knock the ball around with their friends. They can you know, they can play soccer, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's kickball. Sometimes it's whatever. But we want it to be a safe place for kids to go um, and and do something physical that um, they're excited about. So Very cool. um, we're really excited about those. Um, there's other um, uh, community aspects where we, we um, are going to be talking about um, other programs that we're involved in that hope, hopefully um, make everybody know that that this is about the community. This is about Columbus. And at the end of the day, it's a game, and we love that everybody comes, but it's about being partners and doing things together that um, that support the community. So we're thrilled to be here on Black and Gold Week. We're thrilled to hopefully start um, our 27th season that will result in uh, some championships for us, and uh, we're committed to um, winning trophies. Dr. Pete Edwards, owner of the Columbus Crew, one of the owners of the Columbus Crew, and the guy who did my brother's knee surgery. So thanks again for that. Knees holding up. I took him out and played basketball with him the other day, and he was like, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, Dr. Pete knee in you. You're fine. Get out there. Let's go. (laughs) I'm glad he's doing well. (laughs) Well, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me.